Praise God. So I want to speak to you a message today called Cultivating the Good Attitude of Faith. And, but before we do, if we could just pray together and ask God's blessing on this, on this word. Lord, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for a breakthrough today. Lord, we thank you, God, for a word from heaven, Lord. We thank you for a word from heaven through a, a humble man, Lord, a, a broken man, a weak man, Lord. I, I ask you to speak through me, Lord God. Teach us what it is, oh God. What it is to walk with this attitude of faith, Lord God, in the face of uncertainty, Lord, and difficulty and challenge, Lord God, and, and just being, uh, uh, being overwhelmed, Lord God, by, by the process, Lord, by, by the challenge, Lord, of, uh, of walking with you, Lord. So meet us, I pray today, Lord God. I pray, I ask you, Lord, to make this uh, an encouraging word, Lord God, a practical word. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Praise God. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. Uh, he's doing a work these days, um, and he needs bodies. He needs people, and he wants you. Uh, he's calling anybody who would come, anybody who usually tends to be somebody who is done and out, who is, uh, who's at their, uh, ends, uh, who is at the dead end, at the end of the rope. They tried everything else, and they come to God, and, and Whenever they hear this hope, this hope finally speaks, it's really their only opportunity that they hear in, in the message of God. That God can not only lift them out of the challenge, God can not only rescue them from their uh, dire situations, but God can make them something special. And oftentimes, God will use that person who is literally just absolutely crushed and who feels worthless. God will make that person a vital key, a component that is cr critical and crucial to his plan in human history. Because God's not looking to share his glory with anybody. God's not looking to share his spotlight with anybody. He's looking for people who at the very end, when, when God has done the supernatural, when God has done something absolutely incredible, unexpected, that person and that individual will say, only God could have done this. And so I know that uh, many of us here, praise God, I know that many of us here, we are uh, prime examples. I know I am. Um, I know that God literally scraped me off, off the payment of this city. And uh, uh, he's, he's brought me thus far, and I'm, I'm praying that he brings me uh, farther than I could any, uh, ever imagine. And I'm trusting that God will do that with you. But there is a process involved. And that's the thing. I think a lot of times we, we, we sense the hope, we sense the promise of, and we sense the goodness. I mean, when, we, when you come into the house of God, you experience the goodness. You experience just absolute bliss of his presence. That's the promise. That whatever it is God is calling you into, it is so good and it's going to reach beyond this earth. It's going to reach beyond your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go into an eternity. And that's, that is what the scripture says. That is our hope. And so that hope, but God knows what he's doing. See, in a way, he is baiting you. He's got to make that beginning so grand and so big because the process is going to knock the breath out of you. All right? It is. It's, it's going to knock you out. But that's part of it. And so part of the process, I think the most bitter uh, pill to swallow of the process is the uncertainty of it. You see, God doesn't call you uh, uh, a couple weeks in advance and say, hey, listen, next, next week uh, you, got, you better start getting ready because the, the week following uh, you're going to get knocked out. No, he doesn't do that. It just, it just shows up. And often, I mean, most every single time, you have no idea. 
You have no, no idea that it's God is allowing things, dark things, deep things, and oftentimes for a long time. And that's part of the process. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, get into the scripture because God wants us to um, look forward to that process with joy. That's, that's the command. And, and it doesn't say strain to, to, to enjoy. Uh, understand the purpose, the superior purpose for the process. And that's what we're going to be speaking about today. The decision not to give up. That's the attitude of faith. And, and there's a couple thoughts I want to share with you. Um, components, perhaps, or just thoughts. Not, not, a, not a comprehensive study. We don't have time for that today. But, but just thoughts um, that I think are important, that have helped me. And, um, but um, King David is really he's the prime example in Scripture. I mean, we have so many examples. Abraham, we have uh, Joseph. But David really, um, he's special. He's special. He, he was brought out of complete obscurity. And he was brought to not just a, a position of being a king of Israel, a prominent king of Israel. He wrote the Psalms. He is the, the, probably the most honest person in the Bible. I mean, have you ever read the Psalms? It's not, it's not all, uh, there's lots of praise Psalms, but there's many more Psalms of absolute despair. I mean, absolute, like, God, I feel like torn to a million shreds. The whole world is against me. And uh, whether for, for real or not, whether perceived or whether it was for real, uh, David had a lot of enemies. But a lot of times it could have just literally been his own heart was in such terror and, and the process uh, was so difficult. And we see the process in David's life. You know, I just want to touch on this one thought before we go into that uh, thought God spoke, if you read the story, I think it's in the, uh, the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel. When you read the story of David, there's that one moment that God speaks to the prophet Samuel. And he says, all right, Saul's reign is finished. But I have raised up a man to be king. I have done it. And then we see David, basically the shepherd boy, I mean, uh, come up uh, from obscurity. And God does uh, such special things, David and Goliath's story, supernatural things. But then he goes into this long extended period of, of being chased by really his boss. I mean, Saul hires him in a way. He becomes an armor bearer. He becomes somebody that plays the harp. He becomes somebody that works for him. And this mad boss wants to kill him destroy him. Uh, jealousy, I mean, literally, it's, 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 it's a, a demonic attack in the form of your boss wants to kill you. I don't know if anybody has a boss like that. <laughs> I think sometimes you might be over-exaggerating, over uh, or maybe it's true, I don't know. But, um, but God had a purpose for his life, and when God was, was done with David, he, he brought him to the place that he had promised. You see, David was promised to be king, but there was a period of about 15 years of process, and so, um, the good attitude of faith is a determination. It's a posture of the heart that will keep us rolling, a momentum of sorts. Keep us rolling through the tough times of God's process. It's an attitude of the heart that sees God's ultimate goodness when his leading brings us through extended periods of terrifying uncertainty. It is bold, honest, and decided that God who began a good work in our lives will succeed in what he started. An attitude of faith that is able to sense the good end from the beginning and is able to offer others 
a visible hope they can follow. The process is uncertain, and very often the struggle, the battle is really to recognize that it's God. You see, we get into a mess by following God, and when we're in it, then all of a sudden we feel like it wasn't God that brought us here. God abandoned us. God led us astray. And now I'm here on my own. I trusted God. He abandoned me. And now I'm stuck. But God is doing something. That's the process. And I have this incredible story I want to share with you. I, it, so as I was preparing this, I'm not a sports fan at all. And this is a sports story. So some of the guys here are really excited now. Because uh, it's, a, it's a football story. I am not a football fan. I'll watch it. I don't have time to watch it, but I'll watch it if, I, if I'm ever sat down. Uh, I prefer basketball, actually, if, if I get a chance. But, um, but this story, this is from the year 1999. I remember when this happened. And this was a, a, a football story, an NFL story. So it's a story of, of, of Kurt Warren, who, this is what stuck out to me, and this has been just coming to mind all week as I was preparing this. He went from the uh, supermarket cashier, register cashier, to a, a quarterback that literally was the MVP of the season and won the Super Bowl. And literally from a supermarket uh, clerk, register clerk, to the MVP of a, of a whole year of all of the teams. You, you, this is a, um, uh, a story I wanted to know more about. I didn't know the details of the story until I, I got into it this week. And the man is a, a real believer, actually. He's a Christian. And so I want to read to you um, just really quickly just uh, the highlights of his life because it's, it's supernatural. And it really, really points. It really highlights exactly what we're talking about today. Uh, um, uh, in his rookie year, so he, somehow he got into the NFL somehow. He was okay. And in his rookie year, he was really not going anywhere. He completed only four of his 11 passes that year. And then literally his team was like, we're not sure we even want you anymore. So they left him unprotected, unprotected for, for the draft at the end of the year. And no other team wanted him. So it got so bad that literally he had to take a job uh, at the supermarket and to, and to work. While he was, was waiting to figure out, he, he thought he had a dream. He thought God was leading him. And so as he was returned, his team took him back uh, because nobody else wanted him. And... Um, and here is the, what the coach, basically, of this, uh, of this uh, football player said. He said, it was told to the coach, there is something special about this guy. I don't know if it's true, but I think there might be something special about this guy. And the coach made a decision. He says, all right, we're going to take a look. And so this is what they said. This is what the coach said. He said, we decided we had to stress this guy as much as possible. We had to put his face into the fire to find out how he would respond. All right, I don't know if anybody can relate to that. The coach said this. He says, I was more brutal with this player, Kurt, than with any other player ever. He says, we were after him for every single thing. We were watching him and we were after him for every single thing. His uh, teammate said, we really didn't understand why. Was he really that bad? He wasn't that bad. We, nobody could understand why the fire was so hot. Why he was uh, being really attacked in a way. That's how it must have felt to him. And, and Kurt himself said that um, he was really feeling like quitting. It was so hard. Um, he just wanted to, he felt like he wanted to, to, to get away. He felt like he couldn't do anything right. 
But he was determined. He felt that God had him there, and he was not going to quit. He had an attitude that he said, a determination. And this is what happened. The coach says, I knew, because shortly after, he says, I knew when he was ready. He was ready when he got blamed for something big that was not his fault. All right? Amen. All right. Uh, and he took the bullet without blinking. All right? So the coach said, I saw great character and strength at that moment. I knew that he was going to be special. And so at that point, the coach said, all right, he's a great backup. All right? All of that tough trial and process, and he was left for a backup. But God's had something else in the story. You see, the lead quarterback got terribly injured, and they lost him. And in the middle of the season, or whatever part of the season it was, again, I'm not a sports fan. I apologize if I'm, if I'm ruining this. Um, they had no other choice but to go with Kurt. And literally, the very first, uh, before the season actually started, I apologize, the, the, the quarterback uh, g- got injured. And the opener, the season opener, Kurt did something unprecedented. Literally nobody saw this coming, and it's almost never been done again. He threw 300 yards. I guess that means he was really good. And, uh, and from then on, the whole team said, they, the whole team decided. See, the whole team said, you are our only quarterback. We have invested in you for a backup, but now you're all we got. And so they rallied behind him, and he really, he was prepared by this trial By the process, he stepped into his role, and he led the team. And they they won the games they needed to win, and they said this was an unprecedented year, year 1999. They went into the the, uh, Super Bowl, and they won. And, And, I mean, it was, they said there's really never been a story like this. This guy came out of nowhere. It was the process. He had potential, but the process was so fierce the process was so demanding, it was so brutal that it brought the special out of him and made him useful. And brothers and sisters, we are, if you were here this morning, if you've been around, there's a real serious word that's coming down from this pulpit. And that's from the heart of God. And, and we are be, we're privileged to be warned of not only this, what's coming, but the season that we are in already. And in this season... God is putting a lot of us for a while now through the process of being changed into something more special than we are right now, something that God can use. And I, I um, you know, my son is he's seven years old, and uh, he's so bright. He's very smart. But the boy's focus is out of whack. <laughs> he can't focus. I love him, but he is just so distracted by everything he wants to play with. I mean, the phone screen, I don't, we don't give him a lot of phone time. But he is just so obsessed. I mean, literally, he'll be doing his homework, thinking about stuff, and he'll do a terrible job and get in trouble and do it five times. And so, but what I'm after with him is his attitude. He can get it right, but his attitude is wrong. And I know that if I can get him to do it right, he won't stay that way and he won't grow and develop the character if his attitude is wrong. All right, and that's why the process, I have to be kind of brutal with him. And so I want to uh, share just a couple of scriptures with you and uh, along, along these lines. You see, let me explain the process. Let me show you where the, the process is. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 and then 12, if we just look at this real quick, all right? 
James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, is uh, saying in verse 2, Consider it pure joy. Consider it. Look at it. Let your perspective be set on this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That sounds crazy to me. All right? In New York City, I think we know some trials. But the scripture says to consider it pure joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, endurance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Good attitude of faith will make sure that you withstand the test, that you will stand as this morning we heard, that you will stand. Now, practically speaking, especially for, for the young adults, all, it applies to all of us, but especially for the young adults, we have so much going on in our lives already. Life is tough. We, I mean, this generation that we're in, we are most uncertain. My wife told me recently that uh, they did a study that especially this generation, unlike any other generation before, is prone to depression and suicide, far more prone. And it's, it's because the, the foundation has been removed from under our feet. I mean, every standard, every uh, guiding light, if you want to call it, every, every lantern that is supposed to show us what's the right way. You know, uh, all the young adults, all the youth, we, we kind of test our limits and we try things here and there. And then we come to our senses and we look up and we look for the lanterns. But these days, the lanterns are being put out. And there's not much to look up to around except the church, and except the Lord himself. And there's this one thought I want to present to you um, that I believe is really the beginning, where, do we, where we can begin to start, to develop. I mean, how can you have a good attitude of faith sometimes with the stuff that we go through? On top of life being hard, the Lord's process is coming hard and fierce, and we feel like we're just being, we're being uh, pounded by life. And I, I have this one word that just, just the Lord has really um, anchored me with. And it's out of Psalm 27, verse 13. And just uh, let this sink into your heart. Paul, uh, this is David writing. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, as, uh, as Christians, we hear the challenge of faith. And very often we yield ourselves to it, but it's with our teeth just locking. And I mean, we, we know what, because we've been told what the process is going to be. So we know what's coming. And I mean, we are submitting with our, without submitting. We are going against our wish in a way because we know it's the right way. And those of us that are going, a lot of, a lot of folks don't want to go. But it's this verse, this key thought to me, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not going to see this promise come fulfilled in heaven only. Oh, we're going to see it fulfilled in heaven. We're going to be rewarded. But I'm going to see it here. You see, every good attitude of faith has got to be a good attitude. I mean, it's a good attitude. You've you got to be teachable. You've you got to be resilient. 
You, you got to be inspired. You got to put up with the stuff that, that you don't like. Besides the, the crazy crises that come down the pikes, it's, it's the mundane stuff that, that just that stink. That are lousy. And, and especially as young adults, especially as people that are working to survive these days, on the subway sometimes, somebody, you know, steals your seat. Or somebody, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they haven't bathed for a while and you got to sit for an hour next to them and put up with that. You know, and God bless them, we pray for them. But you still, I mean, it's challenging in this city. But there is a promise that God is good. And not only is he good, he's going to be good to us. And he's going to be good through us. And uh, so my first point is faith always sees God's goodness. And, um, but a part of that is my, my sub-point here. God has been overwhelmingly good to us from the start. You see, uh, we, when we meet the challenge... When we go into the challenge, when we, when we realize what it is that God is asking us to do, it's helpful to not only know that God is good, but God's been good. Yes. So we don't forget. So we don't forget where he's raised us from. We have come from obscurity. Many of us, we were on an express train to hell. And deservedly so. And all, most of us should know it. And I want to read to you a real quick verse out of Romans 5. Uh, verses 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might die, possibly die. And then verse 8 says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, while we were still sinners. And that's got to be our anchor. That God is good, but he's been good to us. That we never deserve this, and God is raising us up, right? Uh, line, uh, line three, God always rewards our faith. You better know. You better know that God will reward you. You better know that as you submit yourself to this process, as you have a good attitude about this process, and the famous verse, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6, and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. you got to know God is a rewarder. you got to know that when you submit yourself to this process, God will reward you. The Lord said in the Gospels, he says, uh, what Peter said, Lord, we've given all for you. And Jesus says, you will in this life receive houses and things and, and the things that you need. And you will be richly rewarded. Even though that's not necessarily the aim of our walk and our submission. God will bless us and reward us. And then line four, God must finish. He must finish. He will and he's bound to finish what he began in us. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so um, I want to think, I want to talk to you now about this, this next thought, uh, point two. We can submit to the process because of its surpassing purpose. Now, I, I want to I talk to you about submission for a moment. You see, we were talking about submitting with grit, gritting our teeth. We don't always understand why we got to give up our comfort. 
You see, we, we, do, we, we come to the Lord. Uh, it's been such a process for us, for many of us, to get saved, it, it, period. It's been such a process to just say, Lord, I got to give up my sin. I got to give up my friends. I got to give up my fun. I got to give up this and that, the clubs and the hope and the ambitions. I got to give up all this stuff. Lord, all right, God, all right, save me. But at least let me be just, I know I'm going to be bored in your house. Some people might say that. And then sometimes when you're first getting saved, that's how you feel. All right, I'm going to be bored. This is, all right, Lord, fine, fine. I'm, I'm just going to, all right. I'll just wait it out till you come and then I go into glory and then we're just going to sing songs. But at least I'll be in heaven. We're going to sing songs for an eternity, right? But submission, submission is when the one that loves you, the one that is smarter than you, the one that has gone ahead of you, says to you who don't understand or see the purpose, the call, and he invites you to say, can you trust me? that what I'm leading you to do is really good. And submission says, I can't possibly see this being good. But I'm going to go, and I'm going to submit myself, and I'm going to believe against what I see, that what you're leading me to is good. And you see, brothers and sisters, that's, that's practical. That's practical. I mean, like, think about that. Uh, getting up for work every day. Sometimes I don't, I don't see anything good about that, getting up real early to go to work. I was in creative production for a while. I mean, we had to get up in an ungodly hour sometimes. I don't see anything good about that, right? But I mean, that's practical. You, you put on a good attitude and say, I got to be a good, hardworking, responsible person, a good man. I, I got to uh, show the testimony of being a man that's helped by God. A person that's, that's met by God, encouraged by God. And as you go, you realize it's not so bad. And then you realize, wait a minute, there was a purpose all along. And then you get that reward and you say, wow, praise God I went. <laughs> praise God. Right? And that's how it is with God. We, 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 praise the Lord. And so, <laughs> man, I, in preparing for this, I, I went through my own having to submit and learn the good attitude of faith. It was really challenging. I mean, I, yeah. So I'm glad to be here. Praise God. I'm talking to you. This is what good attitude of faith looks like right here. Praise God. Uh, line six. God invests his mighty resources to help our endurance. You see, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Praise God. We don't. We don't see what's behind the scenes. In Colossians 1.11, it says, Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Did you hear that? In order that you might have good patience and endurance, all of heaven is rallying behind you. God is saying, I'm giving all of my great might and power just so that you can endure and not give up. Praise God. And line seven, his process, we submit to the process, even kicking and screaming sometimes, because uh, his process cleanses us. Psalm 119, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. All right? Hey, if all you could do is if you can't see the joy of the trial, if you can't see the joy of going and you go anyway, kicking and screaming, God bless you. You keep going. 
But when God's done with you, you're going to say, oh man, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, now I have the strength. Now I've been helped. Now I've been transformed. I can obey your word. Amen. And uh, line eight, the process makes us patient and kind towards others. Praise God. Second Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And, and it goes on to basically say, it is the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. And um, no, I'm quoting another verse. Sorry. I apologize. That was from a different verse. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.4, the Lord who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive. You know, once we go through the process and we realize just how patient God is. You see, because we can be honest, brothers and sisters, it's not about us being perfect. And we're not ever going to be perfect. And most of the time, it's literally going to just have to be like, all right, Lord, fine. You're really making this very hard for me. I'm just going to go. But as we go, we see that God's been patient with us. And even in seasons of sin, where we are, where we are really struggling to give something up. And it's that season of long-suffering that God shows to us. It's that season of like, wow, God, I would have given up on myself a long time ago. And it's that, that uh, uh, really that experience of seeing, Lord, I would have never stuck around this long for me. You must really see something in me because I don't see it. And this has been terrible on my part, Lord. And when we have that experience, and you'll have that as you continue to walk with the Lord, as you stand your ground and you enter through the, through the doors that God opens for you, God will open the, the, uh, your uh, understanding to see how patient he's been with you. The response of that is that you will be patient with people. You will be able to see and say, I've been like you. I've been there. And oh, maybe I haven't been like that exactly, but I can be patient with you. Because I know that if you trust in God, I know that if I share with you, I can share what God has done for me. If, if you can believe that, God will help you also. And then instead of, being, uh, um, instead of being annoyed with people, all of a sudden we have a grace. Because we've submitted to the process. All right, and um, uh, point three, we can rest secure because God is in control. You see, part of a good attitude is being secure under circumstances, like we've said, that are uncertain. When things are just sliding down, just keep sliding. Things just keep getting worse. Things keep getting more impossible, more dark. And everybody around you knows it too. Everybody else is watching and saying, oh my goodness, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Stop being so spiritual. Stop being so religious. Stop being so super spiritual. Can you just be practical? But you know God is telling you to do something. God is telling you to walk this way. Don't trust in your own understanding, but lean upon the Lord. And we can rest in the Lord knowing uh, that even after when we are attacked in our minds, after having been obedient, after having given ourselves into uh, the leading of the Lord and his process and his steps that he's prepared for us, the enemy comes, the devil comes, his demons come, accusations come. And they just plummet you. They um, attack you. 
And uh, in Colossians 1, 16 through 17, says, For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers of rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. At some point, you're going to have to recognize that the Lord that you are walking with, the Lord that you're following, he holds this whole thing together. You cannot escape his gaze. You cannot escape his reach and have entrusted your life. There is no, to him, there is no safer place for you to be. Having surrendered your life to him and your steps to him, there is no other place to be. And sometimes the good attitude of faith has to say, I really don't care if I'm still sliding faster down this, this slide into an absolute despair and a desperate situation. I'm trusting that the one I'm walking with and the one I'm following is holding this whole thing together and he will make a way when there is no way. So that's your answer. And you can rest securely in that. That is your answer to those, to those questions that haunt you, that terrify you, that accuse you of being careless and reckless. Amen? Line 10, ultimate authority. In Romans 4, 11, it says, It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. Everybody still answers to God. And even, even your boss, even your coworkers, that godless environment that mocks you and mocks the things of God and threatens you, threatens you, whether outwardly or whether you know in your heart, whether you know in your heart that people are hostile to you as a Christian, that people despise you, they, they, they see you as evil, that you're not conforming and not going with the agenda not agreeing for the sake of keeping peace and appearances so that everybody can get along the way that it seems sometimes. Everybody will answer. Everybody will bow. Everybody will confess that you're Jesus, that he's Lord. And, amen. And uh, line 11, universal accountability. Job 2.1. On another day, the angels... All the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself. You see, everybody got a report to God. <laughs> All right? It says, on another day, the angels had to report that, we understand. But the devil has to report too. All right. Now, when you read the story, he, he, he makes the way that he walks in, it makes like it seems that, oh, he just strolls in on his own accord. No, he had to present himself. Universal accountability. You can be accountable to God. All right. You can have a good attitude because you answer to him. And it, you know what? Sometimes it does seem like that. It seems like people threaten you and they scare you or maybe whether it's internal or it's real. People are, are saying you're not conforming. To the standard of the day, to the status quo, you will keep that, uh, that verse in mind, that universal accountability. There will come a day where we'll see that everybody has to be accountable to the Lord. And finally, point four, uh, point four, you can be bold 
the good attitude of faith is bold in the face of opposition and confusion. We can be inspired by the very presence of God. You see, throughout this whole process, we come here, we come to worship, and the Lord meets us. The Lord himself, we know that. When we press in, he presses back. When we seek him, he's here. And he's speaking, and he's moving. And don't take that for granted. Don't take that lightly. In uh, Isaiah 50, 7 to 10, and we're going to close with this. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign, sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will, who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in, the, in dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Praise God as the musician, uh, musicians come. Praise the Lord. Um, if we could all stand in, 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 uh, in closing. Praise the Lord. I'm actually going to close with this little story. I remember, everybody knows Michael Fratt here. Uh, he's famous for, uh, for being Michael Fratt. And uh, I remember a few years ago, um, I, I dropped by uh, on a Friday night, and Michael was leading it. And he saw me come in, and he just ran up to me. And he says, Stan, I want you to just hey, give a, a quick testimony. I, I want to show the, the group here tonight what it looks like for just a normal person that's really walking the Lord, what it looks like to go through struggle and the process. And when it came to me, see, you see, we had just gotten a word. We were going through several years of the process, just going lower and lower and lower. And at that moment, just that week, we found out our daughter, the teacher said, the report came from the teacher, that particular teacher, that it looked like her daughter was never going to be speaking, that she wasn't making the progress. She has a hearing disability, and uh, we just, we, we didn't figure out the right thing for her uh, for a while. And, uh, and by the time we did figure it out, it wasn't, it seemed like it wasn't clicking. And she missed that vital time of learning how to speak in the first couple of years. And, and the teacher said, it just looks like she won't be speaking. And that just, after years of, you know, she, she, after years of this already, that was just the one thing on top that was, that was just too much to bear for me. The one more thing on top. And when Michael gave me the microphone, I wept. Great, Michael. Thank you. This is what it looks like. <laughs> So for the, for the next seven to ten minutes, I literally wept in front of the whole group, just going through the motions of the process. And at that moment, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, put on the good attitude because I'm faithful. And um, my daughter's speaking. Praise God. And... Uh, Praise God. 
in that moment, I chose to trust him. And he's faithful. He rewarded me. And I, for the are all to call, I want to ask you this. Have you given up? Are you going forward with the Lord with your gritting your teeth? I challenge you to remember his goodness. And we're going to believe as you come forward, if that's you tonight, or this afternoon, we're going to believe that God will remind you in a very real way as you commit again to have that good attitude of faith. He will remind you of the promise. He will remind you of his goodness to you, that he's been faithful to you, and also give you a glimpse. He'll give you a glimpse of what he's going to do, what he is doing, what he will do. Amen? Lord, you have been so personally faithful to us. Lord, you deserve from us, oh God. You deserve from us, Lord God, a passion and a zeal for you because you've shown us so many times, God. So many times, oh God, supernatural goodness, undeserved goodness and faithfulness, oh God. Patience upon patience and grace upon grace. And Holy Spirit, we ask you this afternoon, Lord, Minister to us again, Lord God. Lord, quicken us, Lord, again. Like you did with Elijah, oh God. When he was discouraged, Lord. When he fled, oh God. Minister to us that supernatural rest again, that promise again, Lord. That display of your kindness again, Lord, and gentleness. Lord. That you can be trusted when all seems lost, Lord God. All seems desperate, oh God. Holy Spirit, quicken us to remember the good end, oh God. Quicken us to remember the good end, oh God. Hallelujah, quicken us again to see a glimpse, oh God, of your goodness in the name of your son Jesus. That one that went to that dark cross. That one that walked alone, oh God, under the cover of darkness with accusers all around. He walked with that attitude that he knew. He knew the cross lay before him, but beyond the cross, there was life abundant. Beyond that process of having to go through death, the experience of death, there was everlasting life for the ones he loved. Lord God, I pray, make us today, Lord God. Make us your ministers, oh God. Lord, who would embrace what we don't understand because you are calling us there, God. Lord, I pray we anchor us, Lord. Anchor us, oh God, into that promise, Lord, of your goodness that we will see the goodness of the Lord in this, this life, oh God. Lord, minister to the bro bones you've broken. Minister life to the bones you've broken, God. I pray for healing now, Lord God. Lord, as we turn to embrace, as we turn to embrace this process, Lord, and like James said, that we would look on with joy, Lord, to trials, Lord God. Give us that joy, Lord, that supernatural ability to see and rejoice at the coming of trials because we know there is a crown of life at the end, Lord. 
Lord, give us that supernatural ability tonight, Lord, this afternoon. Give it to us, we ask you, Lord. We're going to need it, Lord, in these dark and trying times. As you perfect the character of Christ in us, the resolve, Lord God, to go all the way. And we're going to trust you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God.